0: I wanted to take this moment to tell you about a program I am in that helps women navigate the journey of realizing their lesbians while in relationships with men. It's a 12-week support program called Coming Out on the Other Side. It is hosted by one of my early podcast guests, Emily Better. Some of the topics include the three stages of coming out later in life, understanding why you didn't figure this out sooner, and why this is so hard. You will go from being scared, confused, lacking confidence, hiding your true self, and feeling alone, guilty, and misunderstood, to overcoming fears, understanding and embracing who you are, being confident in yourself and your decisions, and ultimately being able to come out and live as your authentic self if and when you're ready. Learn more by going to thelatelifelesbian.com. Welcome to the Lesby Honest podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today is Kirby. I met them on TikTok, loved their videos, and reached out and said, hey, I think you'd be a good guest for my podcast because you are a late-life lesbian, and I'd love to talk about that story. So could you give us a little bit of your background?
1: Yeah, of course. Well, first of all, thank you so much for Obviously, following me, liking my videos, interacting with me, and inviting me to be a guest because typically I'm the one inviting other people to be a guest on my podcast. So it's exciting when other people reach out to me and want me to be a guest on there. So I'm very excited. Let's see. Brief overview. So yeah, that's no secret. I am definitely a late in life lesbian. I did not even start my journey until 2020. And during that time, it was mostly me coming out more with my gender identity as non-binary. And that was something that I kept more on the inside personally to myself and didn't openly share it. I was just kind of like starting to dive into more like gender expression, gender identity and what that means for me. And then really, I started to build a following in a community in the LGBTQ plus space, mainly with lesbians. And As I started to meet people and make friends, I quickly realized that for me being older and hanging out with, you know, younger, you know, 30-year-olds, it was, I didn't, I realized I didn't have a lot of representation growing up in the places that I've been in my life. I've not had very diverse queer representation. And so the more I surrounded myself in the queer community is when I really started to pick up on things and start to dive deeper into myself and start to realize like, holy shit, (laughs) I am not bisexual my whole life like I thought I was. I'm just a lesbian and I've just been going through the motions because that's what I was taught.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of late life lesbians can relate to that where we have that period of identifying as bisexual and then later realize, oh, actually, I'm gay. A hundred percent.
1: Yeah. And honestly, I've always thought that I didn't get along with girls. I've always said that my whole life. I have four brothers. I don't have any sisters. I I don't even know what it's like to live with a woman. (laughs) So I just grew up being like the extra boy, the extra tomboy. And that's how I was viewed and looked at. And it was fine. And I got along really well with boys growing up. Like that's all I hung out with was I, I ran with the boys. And was just accepted as one of the boys. And I naturally just thought like, I just don't know why. I just don't connect with girls. We don't have the same vibe. And then I went through a phase of thinking I was more attracted to more of a masculine side of women. And then that turned into like, I was just attracted to the style and I didn't know how to adjust my style to get that attraction that I was feeling. Like it was more of, like I said, like it was a style that I was attracted to. Not that I'm not attracted to masks, but understanding myself more. Because I think with coming out, for me personally, it wasn't just about like, I need to be with a woman to do the final seal of approval of, yes, I'm a lesbian. It was more of uncovering layers and layers of myself that I closed off my whole life and kind of Going back to the age of like 12, 13, 14 and that prime space where I was really comfortable with my style and my image, but then I quickly altered it in high school to fit in with the different cliques that I grew up around.
0: Yeah. So you mean like your style as far as like your clothing style and kind of how you presented yourself? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Yep. Yep. I tried really hard to fit in and maybe dress a little bit more femme. I've always worked in corporate environments, so have that businessy casual look. And I've always been very much sensitive or it's an ick for me if it's tight clothing, lacy clothing, super girly. I write a lot of music. And one of my songs that I wrote during 2020, during my breakthrough, discovery of coming out non-binary was Don't Dress Me in Pink. And Don't Dress Me in Pink, I wrote for my mom. And she was not that excited when she first heard the song. She was like, I did not do, you know, it's like every parent that can never remember or own up to things that you're expressing and you're saying this happened to me or this is how I felt. And they see it a completely different way. But that song was just me really discovering. Yeah, I recognized at a young age. But I blocked it all out just because of just the traditional, you check the box, you check the box, you go to school, you graduate, you go to college, you graduate, you get married. I got married to a man, started having kids, worked, did this. Did, I just checked every box
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then kept feeling like something was missing. Yeah, I want to talk about that. So how long have you, because you're still married, right? I am. And it's my second marriage. Oh, I've okay. I've been Married twice now to men. My first marriage was when I was 25, and we were, again, broskies, just great friends. And that's how it always works out, is I just really vibe with dudes, or I thought I did. He was a friend of mine, and we ran into each other, and we started dating. And the next thing you know, we just, like like I said, checking the boxes. And we got married, had two kids together. Obviously, it didn't work out. And I met Tommy, who's my, I refer to Tommy as my partner or my co-pilot. I do not refer to him as my husband. Yes, we are legally married. And sometimes people have a hard time wrapping their head around like, well, why are you still married? Why don't you just do this? Why don't you just do that? And there's a lot of reasons for it. Naturally, a lot of people stay married a lot of the times that it's not because they want to be married, but there's other reasons, right? And I'm not saying that's that There's only one reason. It's not just for because we have kids, a child together, and we're in a band together. We make art together. We truly enjoy each other's friendship and company, and we're still a really good team. And he has been my biggest supporter and fan through all of this. And he was the first person that I came out to and as non-binary. And he has watched me from the very beginning over the last 10 years just get gayer and gayer and gayer. And he recognized it, but he was kind of waiting for me to catch up and see it myself. And so it was not an easy situation to end our relationship because we had a great relationship. And we have a new relationship now. And he's very supportive of everything that I do. He's very supportive. And I can't say that we will, on paper, legally stay married forever if if it turns to a situation where it's not, necessary anymore, then that would be a topic that we would discuss. But for right now, we share separate living space. So basically, my house is a big old Victorian house with a building attached to it. And he is a sound engineer. So he has a recording studio, which I'm in right now. And so he lives in the studio. It's a very large studio. So he's very comfortable on this side in the building. And I'm in the house. And we still share a common living space with our kids and it works out. And my girlfriend comes and stays here and it's not awkward. And it's just like a big merged family with my kids from my previous marriage and my youngest with, with Tommy and, and now Ember. And Ember has five kids. And so not that she's bringing her five kids here yet, but that that is something that we want to do is blend our family. But doesn't necessarily mean that I'll always be in this exact identical situation because things change and happen so fast. And somebody would have told me two years ago, a year ago, that I would be openly out as a non-binary late in life lesbian. I would have been like, no way. Because there were people that were rushing me to come out sooner. And I was arguing with them the whole time that I was like, no, that's not me. I won't do that. I just like it or it's just an occasional thing or whatever. But it wasn't like I was like in denial the whole time.
0: Well, yeah, that's how I've been too, like my whole life. And friends have said several times throughout my life, are you gay or oh, why don't you just, whatever. And mm-hmm. I, I, just, I would deny it. But it, w- it wasn't like I was denying it in the sense that I knew it and was denying it. It was like, I really didn't think so, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like Same. this gradual process. So that's really interesting about you still being married and living with your co-pilot. co-pilot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I personally don't know of anyone else doing that. So I know like part of it is for the kids. And then mm-hmm. are there other reasons why?
1: Well, and so like I don't necessarily, I, I honestly, I struggle with saying that it's for the kids because my older boys, I've done 50 50 custody for 10 years and they're very well adjusted. And we started doing that when they were five and three. And I wouldn't just stick around just for the kids. I'm sticking around. I'm sticking with the marriage legally on paper, the partnership that we have, because, well, one, we still need each other. It's a lot to do with the economy, with financial situations. I'm more in the position of the breadwinner with my career. I'm a social media manager for a a large brand, Sargento. It's a cheese company, Uh, if you don't know Sargento. And I, having Tommy, In my ring of support, he has allowed me and helped me to focus on my career and put a lot of things that I do. I have a lot of energy, a lot of creative ideas that I'm constantly bringing to life. And we work together really well as a team, especially with our music and our band. But just raising the kids together and wanting to still spend time, it was like our relationship, our intimate marriage that, yes, that ended. But the friendship didn't end. And I think in this stage, if I would meet him, let's just say after coming out, and I would be like, dude, I need a roommate. I need somebody that can help me drive the kids to sporting events and school and all the things that because I travel for work sometimes or I'm constantly doing a lot of things at once. I can't do it all by myself. And we make a really great team together. And I wouldn't just walk away from a, a solid friendship. It didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like he jumped out of this cake and was like, surprise, you're gay now and our marriage is over. And this is the it it was beautiful for him to witness because he loves me so much. It was devastating inside for him because he lost the love of his life. And he had to accept that and kind of let me go and spread my wings and fly. And that was really, that took time and that took a lot of communication and space. It took a lot of space. We had a lot of time where we didn't talk to each other. We avoided each other. Every time we walked in the same room, there would be tears. And it was very sad. It was, we were mourning something that was really special to us at one point that no longer worked for me. And I felt horrible for it. And, I hated seeing him sad and heartbroken. It just would devastate me. I'm also getting to a place where the more independent I become, the more I lean into my own personal life that doesn't involve him, because there's a piece that involves him and then there's a piece that doesn't involve him. And the more I get further away and, and want my own, so like if my, if my girlfriend was to show up tomorrow and say, let's move in together, and I was like, oh my God, yes. That would happen and at some point we might say it's not like we want more of our own private space and I no longer want a roommate situation. That might happen and even though it's not happening right now, like so I'm saying it's not just for the kids. It's not just for, it's for a lot of reasons. It's for health insurance. My partner Tommy is a cancer survivor and right after we had our son together he was diagnosed with stage 3 kidney cancer. And thankfully, we had just gotten married, and I have really good insurance. And that's really important to me, that if anything was to ever happen to him again, he's been cancer-free. And that's really exciting. But you, as a survivor of cancer, there's always that fine line in the back of your head that, what if it sneaks up again? And so I typically don't share all of that, but that is one of, that's the, one of a, a solid reason where I'm like, I don't want him to lose my get health insurance. I don't. I just don't. like, And and I don't think I would ever. I'm not saying I would never get married again, but making it exposing myself and making it legit with the government is not something I feel necessary. If I was to and we've talked about what a new marriage would look like for me. And when Ember and I have expressed different things and Tommy has even said, because my dad passed away from cancer, He said I would walk you down the aisle like he would walk me down the aisle to marry Amber. And that speaks volumes of he's able to completely remove himself like we've rebuilt this whole different relationship. So for me, it is a true friendship. It is somebody. He is my family. We met at his brother's funeral. I worked for his brother. I was one of the last people to say goodbye to him. And he was hit by a car an hour later. And so I didn't even know who Tommy was until I met him at his brother's funeral. And so we mourned the loss of his brother together. And we have this really strong connection of all of these things had to happen for me to just randomly move to Wisconsin, work for your brother, and six months later, meet you. How it all meshes together and connects is such an interesting emotional story that it wasn't like my first marriage. My first marriage, I just knew I don't even want to be we don't need to be hanging out with each other. We don't see eye to eye on anything. And the only thing now for us to do is to co-parent. And that's what we do. We do it well. I'm really easy to get along with. I do not like conflict. So usually I just, I'll take a lot of shit and let it roll off my back and get through it, which isn't always the greatest thing. But I think that with Tommy, it is a true friendship. And I care so much about him. And I'm not going to leave him hanging. I'm not just going to be like, hey, I'm all of a sudden a lesbian now and what we had didn't mean shit and get out of this house and go figure it out. Like I would never do that. I would never do that to him. And there's great things about raising our family together, but it's not just for the kids. It's because I truly care about him as a human being. Sadly, I couldn't give him the type of love he deserves. He might fall in love again and he might say, hey, I want to move out because I have somebody now that I want to move forward with. He's a lot older than I am, too. I'm, I'm going to be 43 this year, and he's 56. So he's experienced a lot more in life, and he's in a different place in his life to where he's not running and, and searching and chasing. He's comfortable. He's comfortable. He's so chill. He's just enjoying life with his son. He's happy to be alive. He's glad his cancer's been in remission. He's good. So he's just here for the ride. He's like a hippie, too. So he's just so chill, calm, relaxed, all of that, and just so easy to get along with. There's nothing to even, for me, it's just like a really good, It's a. it works really well. Yeah, it sounds like it.
0: I mean, yeah. that, that's awesome. And I love how supportive he is and how y'all have found a way to make this work. So you have a girlfriend, Ember. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, she, of course, knows all this and is mm-hmm. obviously okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that Well, I'm kind of curious first of all how you
1: met and then mm-hmm.
0: how she views the situation. And you yeah. are also long distance, right?
1: Yes, and I love that you're new to the storyline because Ember, she's married too. To a okay. man. Okay. Okay. Now they're in the middle of getting divorced. So her situation is not identical to mine, but in the beginning it was. And we met on TikTok naturally her content was showing up and in my for you page and she has a similar she's not like full on mask but like she has a masculine energy and she was making content that was like I'm attracted to women I'm in love with my masculinity and I'm married to a man and those three bullets like lined up like identical with me and I was like it isn't every day that you meet someone in the exact same situation. And when, so when we met, we were very much only identifying as bi, bisexual, and we were content and very supportive of at the time we called our husbands. And so we kind of connected online and then started quickly becoming friends and texting and all of that. And instantly, I mean there was a attraction and curiosity. But we were both so open about family comes first. We are still committed in a relationship with our husbands. And we started like writing a journal because we are long distance and she's in Colorado. I'm in Wisconsin. And we started writing this journal and mailing it back and forth, which is like amazing thing to do because nobody writes anymore. It It was just fun for us. And the very beginning of me writing in that journal, I was like, I will not leave Tommy. I don't know what to call this, but basically I always just felt like my I missed my opportunity. There's no way I'm flipping my whole world upside down. I've already been through one divorce. I'm not going to go through another divorce. This is never going to happen, but let's just occupy each other. Let's just keep each other company because there was an attraction and it felt safe. It felt really safe for me to say, you get it. You're with a man too. You get it and you have kids and you understand the importance. So Yeah, that's how it all started. And when we finally met in person, so we started talking in August and making content from a distance with each other. And that was a lot of fun. We finally met in person in December. And that was the test. We wanted to see, well, one, we wanted to see if we were as gay as we thought we were, (laughs) honestly. And we were. We were like, oh, my God oh my God, we are so fucking gay for each other. And this is going to be a shit show here because now now, what do we do? Because we didn't think, we thought we could turn it off. We thought it was like, and for me, it was always like a thing in my past where I might go out dancing or to a bar or something and end up making out with a girl. I might make out with a girl in a bathroom stall. I might just for whatever reason have a little fling and then go back to my straight traditional life. And that was really easy for me to just be like, oh, that's just what girls do when you go out. Like that's normal, you know? And it wasn't because I I what I was doing up before meeting Ember was that I was falling in love with a lot of my friends and not like acting on it, but just being really confused inside by it. When I would make friends with another woman, whether it was a coworker or just somebody I, I met, I would Literally make you a playlist, send you art, want to spend a lot of time, talk to you a lot, text back and forth. Like it would be a full on relationship. And I would have feelings, I would have thoughts. And that was a struggle for me. So, when to finally be able to, in a safe space, Tommy knew that I was meeting Ember in person. Ember's husband knew she was meeting me in person. Now, Tommy knew the whole time the Just the seriousness of it. Because he's older, I think, and he's also not the kind of guy that's going to be like, ooh, that could benefit me. Bring her back home. You know what I mean? There was none of that. Like, he knew she's somebody you can probably fall in love with and want to spend the rest of your time with. To where Ember's situation, he was kind of thinking, go get it out of your system. You get a hall pass. Go get it out of your system. Come back home to me. And when you need that every now and then, okay, fine, but come back home to me. Or I mean, I don't want to speak for them, but like maybe he was hoping that it would benefit him and some type of fantasy would come true for him or because that's how my first husband was. So I had been intimate with a woman, but it was also involving my husband at the time. And that was the deal. It always had to include him. And that was an ick for me because I didn't really want that. You you can't have that level of intimacy that you would typically have if it was just one on one with a woman. Usually in a situation where you do have your partner or husband or whatever man you're with, when that happens into a, like a threesome situation, the man is more controlling it. If you're looking for That level of masculine energy or not. I don't have gender roles in my relationship, but there is a lot that you discover about yourself when you're just with when it's two women. And so I didn't get that with my first experience when I was still married to my ex. So. That was taken away from me and that slowed me down a lot. That made me kind of backtrack because I was just like, that was an ick for me. I don't ever want to do that again. I was upset because I had fallen for the girl and then I was stuck with the man. It was a whole thing. I ended up back in therapy. I ended up going to church. I ended up trying to like pray the gay away, like all kinds of stuff, right? And it just really slowed me down on my journey. And so I think with today, I think Ember's partner was hoping that it would just be a phase where my knew the severity of it and what was probably going to happen. So, you know, we had to work through all of this shit. And it was at the time, Tommy was devastated. Tommy was angry. He was he really thought that I fucked him over and that I was deceiving him. And that wasn't the case. It had nothing to do with him. It had everything to do with me saying, holy shit, I didn't ever allow myself to just lock myself away in a hotel room with a woman for three straight days and get to know every layer of myself and another woman. I've never experienced that. And so it was it flipped everybody's world upside down because we weren't expecting to leave that weekend and be like, I want to spend every single day with you. And I think that's pretty common with lesbian relationships where you do kind of feel and speak every love language together and you just connect on this emotional level that you just can't you can't with another man i'm sorry you just can't it is so different and when you experience that and you realize everything just starts kind of connecting the dots falling into place and you're just like well this is who i w- this is who i was wanting this is what i was wanting the whole time and i wasn't getting
0: you had mentioned the whole pray away the gay and stuff. So were you raised in Christian a cr- Christian, yes. and like being mm-hmm. told and
1: taught that it's a
0: sin and all this mm-hmm. stuff? And then do you think that that was kind of what kept you from coming to realize this for so long?
1: It was a piece of it. So I I was raised in a very Christian home and my parents got divorced when I was seven. So a lot of what I was being taught at the time. Abruptly end it. So I went from having a very strict upbringing. I mean, no television, always constantly Bible study and my mom raising us, staying at home, my my dad, the breadwinner. And none of us were born in hospitals. We did not go to the doctor. Everything was, we prayed about it. I busted my chin open and needed stitches, but I wasn't allowed to go get stitches. That's just the way it was. It was almost like a cult, (laughs) a little bit. Was
0: it Jehovah's Witness?
1: No. And people always ask that. No, it was just a really strict Christian church. And they ended up disowning my mom with one of her pregnancies because she ended up going to the hospital that time because she had had three pregnancies at home with sometimes a midwife, but sometimes not. And It was just very unsafe and put herself at a lot of risk and the baby at a lot of risk. And so the church was not okay with it. And I don't know a ton. The the fucked up thing is, is I don't have a, a lot of childhood memories until after my parents got divorced. And I don't know if it was just because I was constantly being brainwashed and didn't have my own thoughts, but I just don't have a memory of a lot of it. And so I don't I can't really go back and say too much, but I do know as soon as we moved from Indiana to Ohio, I started feeling more like a kid, more like myself and kind of got away. But I still had a lot of the values and the upbringing that was taught to me. And so I struggled a lot with, I shared this on one of my podcast episodes, which I don't know, part of it's kind of embarrassing, but the other part of it's just like, this is the reality of it. Every time, not every time, but a lot of times if I like fantasized about a woman or even masturbated, I would write an apology letter and put it in my Bible. And I struggled a lot with just allowing myself to feel good because I was taught that you're not supposed to do any of that, you know. And so it wasn't that the focus was around anti-gay or anything like that. But in my older teenage college years, there were a couple of times where I had parties or people over and my dad would catch me making out with a girl and when he would get so upset and I would call my mom and be like dad thinks I'm a lesbian you know mom I'm not that's just how how we get sometimes and she's like I know it's fine it's fine and my dad passed away in 2018 and 2019 and 2020 is when I started to I got through his it was very traumatic his passing and I love him very much but our views were never aligned from a religious standpoint to a political standpoint to a lot of things like our views were not aligned. And I, even though I loved him for who he was, I was frustrated a lot. And so it wasn't until after he passed that I could finally step outside and say, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Which is sad to say, because he would probably be really bummed out to hear that.
0: <laughs> so do you think if he was in sorry for his passing condolences? But if he were still alive today, do you think that you would still then be kind of closeted, so to speak?
1: I don't know if I'd be closeted because I'm in a place now where I'm so happy and wanting to live. And I want—I went from not wanting to live to really wanting to live my best life. And so I don't get caught up in approval and people's opinions. I, I, I'm willing to walk away from long-term relationships with family members because it doesn't align with me. And so I would hate if that would have if that would have been a case, but I don't know if he would have truly un I think he would have been blown away. I think he would have just been like, I don't believe you. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no way. There's no way you can feel like this or be like this. I don't know though. I think that my youngest brother, who has a different dad, he's gay and my dad accepted my my youngest brother as his own and loves Jacob very much, loved him very much. However, I'm sure in the back of his head, he probably wished that Jacob wasn't gay. That was obvious, but he still loved Jacob for who he was. But I don't think maybe he truly would understand it. I don't know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And you had mentioned your podcast, Fashionably mm-hmm. Late. I don't think you'd mentioned the name of it. So I'm yeah. throwing it out there. Thank uh, you. And Yeah, I've subscribed to it and starting to listen to a few episodes. And how did y'all come up with that idea to launch a podcast together? You and your... Well, would you call her a girlfriend? Girlfriend? Okay, yeah. Yep,
1: yep. I, I call her my girlfriend. She refers to me as, like, we don't like to use the word partner because I use the word partner with Tommy. So we really don't use the word partner, but she will call me her person or Magnificent Human is another <laughs> one. We, we have like a list going because once I officially dropped she, her, she was like, can I still call you my girlfriend? And then I'm like, eh, if you want to, but I don't know, there's lots of other ways to refer to each other too, which is just something we're working on and learning. But in any case, we decided to do the podcast because she has a pretty good solid following on TikTok. And Between the two of us sharing our journey and sharing our relationship, we started having people get really invested in our relationship. And believe it or not, there are actually a lot of people, a lot of women in our situation that are just now coming out still married to a man, and some of the marriages are still working like mine. Some of them aren't. And so this whole group of women kind of flooded into our inbox and was wanting extra support or wanting more storytelling, wanting to know how we were doing that. Everybody was mind blown. They're like, wait a minute, you guys are dating. You have a total of eight boys together. You're both married to men. You're so open and honest and transparent on your platform. How are you doing this? And instead of responding to every single person on TikTok, we just thought, what if we just did a podcast? And I had a podcast before and it didn't really pop off. I didn't put the effort and commitment into it like I've done with this one. And so I was already set up and ready to go and especially having the recording studio. So I was like, hey, like we can start tomorrow. And so we started in February. And we only met in person in December. So we're releasing an episode every Monday. We stay consistent with that. We are sharing our journey in real time and we are constantly, yeah, trying to help other people because I know how scary it was when the feelings and the emotions just hit me like a tsunami. Right. And I was like, is there anybody out there that's going through this? And I was Googling, it. somebody please tell me I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy for marrying two men, having three babies, and now saying, ha-ha, just kidding, I'm fucking (laughs) a lesbian. And all of that was just a different person. And I hated myself for living a double life, and I struggled with that, and I struggled with not wanting to exist and not understanding and feeling like people didn't see me or understand me. And I didn't understand myself. And so the podcast Fashionably Late, that's like our journal together. We talk about how years down the road, we just want to go back and listen to it all and just see how far we've come along or how many people we've helped or where we end up with it. Because it's pretty incredible to know that so many people, not even just lesbians, but straight people, too, are so invested. And sometimes it's like, okay, this is not. Like it is a reality show in a sense, but this is real life, real feelings, all of that. And so many people are like, give me more, give me more. I need more. What, you know, what's going to happen next week? Unfashionably late. We're like behind the scenes, like crying and like, oh my God, we're trying to get through this and share it all in real time. And it's hard and it's very vulnerable and, and scary. And, And so many people just thank me and get really worked up and emotional because I've had straight moms say their daughter just came out non-binary now. It can be from any angle where somebody might be not ready to share it openly that they're coming out or that they're a lesbian or what have you, but they're to the place where they're trying to figure out how to say it out loud. I think that's the hardest part is how do you get that to even come out? Because once you say it, it's out there. It does happen where sometimes you backtrack and you go back in the closet. You come out and you go back, and and that's very common. And so it's a scary road to walk, and I wouldn't want anybody to do it alone. So if our storytelling, our sharing, our journey can help even just one person on a Monday morning or something get through it and know that they're not alone, then that's all we need. That's good enough for us.
0: Yeah, and I love the name of it. I love the, the cover art. I'm a big, really into podcasting. I subscribe to like 40 podcasts. I have a podcast production agency. I go to podcast oh, wow. conferences and this whole thing. So then when I discovered that you had a pod, because I was following you on TikTok and stuff, but mm-hmm. I didn't know initially that you had a podcast. And then I forget how I found out. Maybe I clicked on your link tree. Maybe okay. that's what it was. Yep, probably. And then I saw that and I was like, wow, this is awesome. Speaking of your link tree, you have some different links on there that are very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, one of which is like the little bracelet, which I guess is what you're wearing, the long Mm -hmm. distance thing.
1: Oh, Oh. yes. The Bond Touch.
0: Yeah. Can you explain how that works?
1: Yes. Oh, my God. So this is amazing. So Bond Touch, it looks just like your typical, oh, what are those bracelets that count your steps?
0: Like Mm -hmm. a Fitbit?
1: Yeah, like a Fitbit, right? It looks just like a Fitbit. And it's almost like a Morse code. So it gives a little vibration by tapping. We didn't purchase these. We were given these by our friends that were just like, hey, we used to wear these all the time. They're awesome. And they're not long distance anymore. So they knew the struggle is real when it comes to long distance. So they passed them down to us. And you basically have an app on your phone. You have to have the app open on your phone at all times. It's the Bond Touch app. And so I can tap it and I'll push it down three times. So three times you can set it as a meaning of like, I love you or I miss you or there's different ways to tap and you can give it meaning in the app conversation. But a lot of the times it's just like I said, I work in corporate. I sit in a lot of meetings and I cannot be on my phone a lot of the times during the day, even though I'm constantly watching TikToks. It's for work and I can't constantly be texting or checking in. and. Ember and I are very healthy, obsessive with each other. We are so obsessed with each other. We love each other so much in a very healthy way with boundaries. And I say that because it's like, oh, you say you're obsessed with somebody and they're like, whoa, pump the brakes there. Don't get too obsessed. But we're very much obsessed with each other. And there's a lot of times where I just want Ember to know that I'm thinking of her, even though I can't. So she's buzzing me back right now. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I was going to say when you were showing an example, I'm like, oh, I guess that's probably sending her a message and she's probably Mm going to send you a message back now.
1: So she just sent I love you back to me. And so that's just a nice way. I think it takes a lot of effort in a long distance relationship. There's a lot of great things that come with it and there's a lot of not great things that come with a long distance relationship. And there are a lot of times where we're so open with each other. We'll say like, I need more reassurance today. I need you to check in more on me. I need you to tell me you love me more. I need this little vibration on my arm. She might be in the middle of something with whatever her day is bringing her. I might be in the middle of something with my day and we can't connect. But if I feel that little buzz on my arm and I can just know that she's thinking of me right in that moment, That fills me back up and that doesn't allow me to get in my head to think, does she still love me? You know, because I think that's a normal feeling to sometimes when you're long distance and you can't physically show it and be there for the person. You're just like, I haven't heard from them in a couple hours. Are they okay? Do they still love me? Am I still their person? You know,
0: how often do you get to see each other in person?
1: Yeah, we've been pretty fortunate. We have seen each other every single month since December. We have not missed a month. We got really lucky in the month of June because of Pride. So we went to a couple Pride events and were gifted by some of our supporters to want us to be at Pride events and to see us and whatnot. So we did. We we got to see each other like three weekends in a row, which is unheard of. Usually it's one weekend during the month. And whether I'm going to Colorado or we're meeting in Chicago or she's coming to Wisconsin, She is welcome to stay at my house anytime because she's still living with her ex. He's not comfortable. He wasn't at the time that they're working through things, but he wasn't comfortable with me staying there. So it's a little harder for me. Traveling back and forth is very expensive and not being able to constantly be like, okay, I can get a plane ticket. I can get a hotel. I can get an Airbnb. I mean, that adds up. Right. And you're looking at a thousand dollar weekend real quick. And so that is not in our budget. And. So we have to get creative sometimes, but yeah, we've been pretty fortunate to see each other once a month. Now, it's right now is the longest time apart, and so we've been kind of struggling with it a little bit, just where we're just counting down the days. We have six days, six days until we see each other, and when Ember gets here, she's coming with her two older boys and we're doing a family vacation together, just me, Ember and, and my kids and, and her two older boys. We're we're going to be spending 10 days together. And that's the longest we have ever spent together. And we're just so excited that we can't even stand it. We have a I have an agenda. I have a menu. I have the nonstop shared notes of like, and don't forget to pack this and we're going to need that. And we're going to do a lot of fun things together. And See what it's like for our children to hang out. And I wish it could be all of them. That's not the situation right now. But at some point, I can't wait to... I've met all of her kids. She's met all my kids. And now we're ready to start introducing our kids together.
0: hmm Wow. That sounds awesome. Like, it's yeah. day vacation together. So what is that other bracelet that you were about to tell me about because you thought that? Yeah.
1: So this first one here is, ah, it was fashionably late. It's fashionably late and it was for pride. So when we were going to the different pride festivals, we wanted to be able to give out bracelets to people. So I just ordered some bracelets and then Kirby Girl. So my original handle on TikTok and all my platforms was my Kirby Girl. I ended up dropping my Kirby Girl, even though There's so many people that came at me once I came out as they them and they were like, well, can I still call you Kirby Girl? Can you still be Kirby Girl? And I was like, Kirby Girl is just a brand. I started Kirby Girl back in 2012. I've gone by the name Kirby since 2006. Kirby Girl was just a clothing brand. I like to skateboard and snowboard. So I was trying to come up with a clothing line that was direct it towards girls or women that liked edgier stuff, whether it's sporting or music or whatever it was. I had this tagline that was confidence, style, and edge. And I would literally give people Kirby Girl shirts if they had a style or an image where it was like, you're more than just a mom, you're more than just the woman that everyone might see you for. You're doing more than that. Maybe you're a boxer, maybe you're in a skateboard or a roller derby. So many different things that a lot of women do and don't get credit for. So I was just hyping it up and just doing this like kind of woman empowerment movement. And that's how Kirby Girl came about. So for me, when people are asking, are you getting rid of Kirby Girl? I don't necessarily have a tie to the girl part. Kirby girls, like, y'all are just my girls, whatever your gender is. Like, I still have people that all the time, especially older women, they'll just, they're always like, hey girl, hey girl, hey girl. It's just a style of expression or whatever. So I think, yeah, when people ask me that, is Kirby Girl going away? Maybe a little bit, but it's still, don't be afraid of saying Kirby Girl. Right. Yeah. Because your handle now is Kirby
0: underscore from underscore
1: TikTok. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And so basically when I openly made a TikTok about changing my pronouns, I thought I should update people and start to lean into that because in full disclosure, I was holding on to just keeping it she, they, because I wanted it so all inclusive. I didn't want anyone to feel like they were going to screw it up or get it wrong. And I kept it she, they. But what I realized was nobody ever really leaned into the they side of it. And I started wanting that to be more the focus. And I didn't know how to dive into that without making everybody feel like they had to run with me. And because it is a personal feeling and and I noticed that a lot when people have she, they, they kind of just ignore the they part of it. And it's just like, oh, well, you know, we're so used to this. We'll just keep going this way. And every time what was happening was every time somebody would say she or her, I felt like a little poke, like a little thorn. Like if you're picking a flower and a thorn pokes you and it would kind of zap me a little bit and and shock me back to thinking That doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel right for me that I don't identify with that. I need to speak up. And I remember even. Oh, it was I think it was like Memorial Weekend and I was texting with Ember and I'm like, there's something I want to tell you, but I feel stupid and I don't know how to say it and I don't have enough liquid courage and blah, 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 blah. And she's like, just say it, just say it. And I didn't. I was like, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And then eventually it came out and I was like, "Uh, I don't think I really want like she, I don't want to be addressed as a she anymore. I just, I'm so fluid, like, but I want they, them. And she was like, okay, just give me a little bit of grace. And even today, like I said, we're still learning, we're still adjusting. She slips every day, every single day. I don't count the number of times that she slips, but I I feel the poke a little bit. And I poke myself because I still, like I said, I still occasionally can refer to myself when I'm speaking in third person, I can refer to myself as a she because that's what other people are still referring to me as. And so I'm adjusting, she's adjusting, my family's adjusting, even trying to explain to my six-year-old, I still go by mom or mommy. That is something I'm super comfortable in my womanhood. So it's just like this weird situation of like, how do you get, like so many people, when I did come out non-binary, they were like, well, then you're not a lesbian. You can't be a lesbian. And I'm like, no, there's lots of non-binary lesbians. There are, or there's very gender-fluid lesbians. And they're like, no, you're just queer. And so sometimes I will shift back and forth between saying lesbian or queer because I've been made to feel like I don't fit in any category, really. And I hate that side of it where it's like you're not enough of something. And I'm like, well, I'm just figuring this out. And I'm learning and expressing and feeling. It's like when you start trying new foods and you're like, I think I might like that, but I don't know. Let me try it some more. Let me try it again in two weeks. Let me see how that feels or taste. And it's like I just struggle with being placed in a category. I don't like labels because I just feel like things change. Not everybody, not everything's like a stamp of a final seal of approval. Like this is you forever. You should be changing and evolving no matter what in some form or aspect. And I think that it is a struggle because we've been trained our whole life to think so just like in this duality of a mindset of like black or white, one or the other, right or left, like it's one or the other and you have to pick. And it's just like, no, it's not. I don't hit that side of it. And So whether people or not want to say I'm a lesbian, like I have a vagina and I like rubbing my vagina up against somebody else's vagina. So like, I'm sorry. Like, what does that fucking make me? Like, I think it makes me a lesbian and I'm okay. I'm okay with having a vagina. I love pussy power. I'm very much. I I love it. Like, I love it on myself. I love it on another woman. So it's like I love womanhood and I love empowering women. I'm a certified doula and a lot of people don't know that. I love encouraging women to trust their body and to believe in themselves and to love themselves, whether you are any shape or size or height or whatever it is. There are so many beautiful things about womanhood that people just glaze over and So, no, I'm not saying with me being non-binary that I want a penis. You know what I mean? Like, it has nothing. It has literally, like, it is a personal gender identity, gender expression. It has nothing to do with my attraction to the same sex. It's literally just a way I feel inside, and I've always felt inside. It has nothing to do with anything more. And I, I love trans people. I have no, when I say, like, I'm not. I'm not looking to transition. I'm not, but I support, I love trans people and I will always stand up for trans people. And it just reminds me of very high school, clicky, like, which one are you? You have to pick, you have to decide. And no, I don't. No, it took me 40 years to even say things out loud. I don't. I don't have to fall into any category or, or place any label on myself. It was the same when I stopped eating meat. And it's like, well, are you vegan? Yeah, I was kind of for a while. I tried that until it didn't work for me anymore. Well, now and then I was vegetarian. And then it was like, well, now I kind of want to eat fish. I love sushi and I like fish. So what is it? OK, now I'm pescatarian. It's the same. You know what I mean? It's like you go through. It's like everybody wants to place you somewhere. Get in this line over here and you're over here. And you have really short hair and you dress like a boy. So you must want to be a boy. And it's like, this is just thread. It's just fabric. What does that mean when somebody says you're dressing like a boy? (laughs) Because I don't want to wear lace or I don't want to wear something tight or a skirt or a dress. Then that means I'm not capable of doing womanly stuff. I don't know. It's just such a weird thing.
0: Yeah, I feel like as society, we have to put people in boxes. And in addition, there's only two boxes, whether that's Gay, straight, man, woman, black, white, Republican, Democrat, Mm -hmm. whatever. It's like, but there's really like 50 shades of gray. (laughs) a 100%. But it's all of those things. And I don't know. It's like society just can't get past the binary of everything. There's only Mm. two things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's so close minded. It's so close minded. And it's really slowed us down. Throughout life, like I said, not growing up without proper representation and we have it now. And so, no, it's not that everybody all of a sudden it's cool to be gay. It's that we didn't have representation growing up and now we have representation. And now with that, we're able to say. This makes sense to me. This is what I was trying for. I really don't want to die. I want to live and I feel like I can belong. A lot of people go to church and they have organized religion. They want to belong to something. They want a community. And so do gay people. We want a community. We want a sense of belonging. And I think that with social media and people sharing their journeys every day, you're able to get that right at your fingertips. And it's a beautiful thing. And if you can find it in a positive light, then I think you're going to be fine. And I hope that people keep searching and don't just keep living a double life or hiding in their closet because the other side is, even though it's scary getting there, it's beautiful. And I've never wanted to live more in my life than I do today.
0: Oh, awesome. Yeah. And I think that's a good way to close. And I appreciate your time. People can follow you on TikTok at Kirby underscore from underscore TikTok. Your podcast is fashionably late. It has the lesbian flag cover art. Easy to find. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, This has been amazing. I love being on the other side of it. Um, <laughs> I would love for you to be a guest on yeah. our podcast. And I'll, I'll definitely work on setting that up. And yeah, I think what you're doing is amazing. And anybody shining light and helping people discover themselves a little bit more and realize that you do belong, you do fit in, there is a place for you. Don't give up. And yeah, I love what you're doing. I totally support it.
0: Thank you. I love what you're doing and support it. So I'm excited to have you on and definitely want to be a guest on yours as well. So thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you. I wanted to take this moment to tell you about a program I am in that helps women navigate the journey of realizing their lesbians while in relationships with men. It's a 12 week support program called Coming Out on the Other Side. It is hosted by one of my early podcast guests, Emily Better. Some of the topics include the three stages of coming out later in life, understanding why you didn't figure this out sooner, and why this is so hard. You will go from being scared, confused, lacking confidence, hiding your true self, and feeling alone, guilty, and misunderstood, to overcoming fears, understanding and embracing who you are, being confident in yourself and your decisions, and ultimately being able to come out and live as your authentic self if and when you're ready. Learn more by going to thelatelifelesbian.com.